This week on Mindful Headlines, Olympian Amanda Beard. The American swimmer is a seven-time Olympic medalist and former world record holder. She reflects on the immense pressure the athletes are under in Tokyo right now. Hear what she has to say about Simone Biles' decision to pull out of the team gymnastics competition to focus on mental health. And Amanda tells us what mindfulness practices she uses with her family on a regular basis. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Amanda, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's awesome to be here. I'm really excited to have a conversation with you. And I want to get this out of the way first, because we are both from Southern California and we both grew up in Irvine. And I know you went to Irvine High School. I went to your rival high school, Uni High. And I think you'll really get a kick out of this, but I did do some swimming at the Irvine Aquatic Complex and even tried out for the Nova Aquatics. <laughs> and um, I spent so many summers and years at Heritage Park because I eventually started playing tennis and I would coach there and play there. I chose tennis instead of swimming, but I spent a lot of years at that park and right, right next to you, probably. Oh my goodness. Yes. What great memories, right? I mean, what a wonderful complex to swim in tons of tennis courts, both good high schools too. I feel like Irvine, we beat you guys in swimming a couple times. <laughs> you, you can't really complain about growing up somewhere like that. It's pretty, um, you have so many different opportunities available to great complexes for all different sports. So um, definitely felt pr pretty lucky. Now that I look back, now that I know that's not how everywhere is. When you grow up in an environment like that, it's like, what? Yes, everywhere has these wonderful, gorgeous pools, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I love that we both ended up in the Pacific Northwest and that we can have this conversation together today. Absolutely, absolutely. It's gorgeous up here, beautiful summer. So let's start with this. I know that you just spoke to one of my colleagues, um, Chris Daniels, about um, the Olympics and what's happening. So have you been watching a lot? And you know, what are your thoughts as you as you watch, You know, because you have a yeah. perspective? I've been trying to watch. <laughs> Work is weirdly getting in the way. So um, I try to watch as much as I can. And it's been fun. Swimming's over now. So the swimming portion of the Olympics is over. So um, now, now I'm moving on to all the next events and sports and all that kind of stuff. So um, all the people that I kind of know are, are done competing for the most part. So now I'm trying to watch and just enjoy um, all the other sports that we're, that we're watching and seeing and hopefully and rooting for everyone to do well and have a fun experience. Yes. Yeah, so my podcast is really focused on the intersection between what is happening in the news and then kind of what's happening in our own minds and how we approach things in the world as far as mental health is concerned. And I know that the big headline out of the Olympics this year has been surrounding Simone Biles. And you have talked a little bit about um, her decision not to compete in the all around and not to compete in the team gymnastics events. And so I was just wondering your thoughts on that too, in case our listeners have not heard what you said about it. Yeah. Well, I'm just proud of her, to be honest. I think it's um, incredibly brave to be able to come out and to speak about how you're feeling. And when you are in a position like that, she, she's an athlete, right? She's a perfectionist at the top of the top, the Olympics, the, it doesn't get any better for those sports that uh, compete in the Olympics. So for her to come forward about how she's feeling and how she's handling things, that's not easy to do. I mean, um, my goodness, I don't think I would have been brave enough or been had the courage to be able to speak up and be able to, you know, like take control of uh, 
my emotions and the way that I was feeling. And so it, it's cool to be able to see someone do that because I hope that it inspires younger athletes. I hope it inspires coaches, um, everyone out there to not just think of athletes as work, 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 train, 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 but what creates a wonderful athlete is not just um, the physical side of it, um, diet and sleep and just that mental health. It's so huge. And I feel like we dismiss it so much. And then these athletes get to their breaking points and some retire before they even peak in their sport because they're just so over it and done and exhausted. And I hate seeing that because you know that they started in their sports because they loved it. They found it was their passion. You know, maybe they started when they were really little and they're going to their local gym to get on the balance beam and, and you know, learn how to do cartwheels and all that. And somewhere along that road, that love um, went away and it became like, work and it became stress and pressure and there's going to be stress and pressure but if it's outweighing the positives so much then we really need to kind of stop slow down and reflect on how we can improve um moving forward as an olympian how did you cope with all of that stress and i know you were very young you were 14 right in your first olympics which i think a lot of us just, there's no way to relate to that so Give us the insight and um, how did you deal with it? Or was it just going one step at a time, one day at a time? So I, because I started when I was so young. So my first Olympics, I was 14 years old. Uh, I feel like I didn't completely grasp the concept of the Olympics and the magnitude of how amazing and special important. I was just kind of the like, la la la, like swimmer, <laughs> kind of little thing, wandering out on the pool deck. It wasn't until the years after that and the next Olympics that I really understood um, how amazing being at the top of your game in your sport is. And uh, and then honestly, that's when all the pressure and stress came along. Um, I also started swimming not awesome. So, you know, kind of having some bumps in the road. I went through puberty, which for athletes is uh, devastating sometimes and it it changed my body it changed my the stroke that I was swimming I honestly didn't think I was going to be able to come back and compete or compete at the level I was and um, I dealt with depression all, all different sorts of things throughout uh, my life and uh, I wrote a book about it it has some darker sides of everything that I went through but it's the, kind of the reality um, but when I watch someone like Simone talk and come out and come forward, I feel like it's just stripping more barriers down. So people like me, if I was still competing, would have um, the courage to be able to stand up for myself or be able to reflect and see what I need to do to make myself um, healthier moving forward. I wanted to ask you about your book. And since you brought it up, I'll ask right now. Um, because speaking of courage, I'm sure it took a lot of courage to write down the things that you wrote in that book. And I wrote down the title, it's In the Water, They Can't See You Cry, and it's a memoir. And I know you talk about your parents' divorce, um, dealing with depression, drug use. That took a lot of courage. And if I'm not mistaken, that was out in 2012, correct? And where did yes. you get the strength yeah. to talk about that at that time when I don't think we were talking about mental health so often? Uh, I don't know how I did, to be honest. It, I sat down with my friend who was a writer and she said, uh, we just started talking. She was from New York. She came out to visit me in my home in Arizona and we just kind of sat, she spent the whole weekend with me and she just wanted to hear 
my story. She's been covering me in the Olympics for a really long time. And so I just, I honestly, it was like almost like this weird therapeutic session where I just put it all out there. And she just was, she was writing everything down. She's like, I can't believe, cause she knew me. She's known me since I was, you know, 12, 13 years old. And she's like, I can't believe you went through all this. Cause I put on this fake kind of facade and happy face and she was the one that really kind of was like, this could really be helpful to other athletes because you know people are going through these same things. Um, and that's where we kind of decided, it was my my thing. I was like, I'm not going to, I don't want to write a book about my accomplishments. While I'm really proud and I think it's awesome, I want what's real and the reality of the path for all of those accomplishments. And so she kind of gave me the courage to kind of voice, you know, the things that were going on in my life. And um, it was a long process. We took, oh my goodness, I think it took almost two years for oh, us wow. to like actually get it all down, work out all the kinks. I went through a couple writers actually <laughs> to, to get it to that point. And um, it wasn't, I never knew how it was going to be responded to. And there was definitely some people that were very unkind to me when the book came out, but um, the people that responded in a positive way and that I felt like it really helped them through some tough times. That was, uh, that was really cool. And it made me realize that I did it, um, with a purpose and that it was, was helping people. And that was, that was super cool. Do you think that the relationship with the media for athletes has changed dramatically? I mean, I, from my perspective, it has just being on the other end of it and how we cover people of importance, be it athletes or politicians or just, you know, people that are doing things in the community, right? Now we have all this social media. We think that everyone's just accessible um, so quickly and that we can give our opinions on whatever the subject is, even if you're not an expert, you know, we deal with that a lot in news where, you know, viewers are telling us that they liked something or they didn't like something. And then sometimes it can turn really harsh. And I know you've had your moments having to deal with the media. I think there was and, and maybe you can talk a little bit about this, but um, you have a modeling career. I know, I think you posed for Playboy and that was, you know, we weren't so, I think, accepting of that when you did that in those years. And now I think a lot of people, <laughs> you know, we're all on social media, we're all showing it all too. And so I think all of that has changed. So yeah, well, I definitely, I mean, I, uh, through a good chunk of my career, there was not a lot of social media. So and then I, a good chunk of it, there was social media. So I got, I kind of got the half and half. I mean, so, but when I was younger, you know, I was reading newspaper articles and all that kind of stuff about me. And that negativity is what, um, it, it makes it hard. But I think with social media now, it gives everyone, like you're saying, everyone feels like they have the right to judge and have an opinion on every little detail of someone else's life or decision that they make. Um, and that's, that's for me, like, I, I don't want to tell someone ever how to live their life or how to dress or wear their hair or, or decisions that they make because they're making the decisions for themselves and what uh, makes sense in their life in that moment in time. And I did do Playboy, oh my goodness, a long time ago, <laughs> I can't remember. And at that time, um, that was not an easy decision for me to make. And I sat down with my mom and my dad and my sister's my boyfriend, who's now my husband, and just weighed out all the pros and cons involved with that. And it was kind of one of those things where like collectively we decided that I felt 
comfortable to do it and and go for it and have fun with it. And those opportunities don't come along in your life very often. And I felt like it was a cool opportunity. I'm a swimmer, so I hang out in my swimsuit all the time. So, I mean, I go to the office in a swimsuit. (laughs) I still am, like even at this age, like I still am I'm wearing a swimsuit all the time. So um, being half naked in front of cameras is not a weird thing for me. For other people, that might be strange. And that's where not judging people comes into place. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I'm going to ask you a little bit later about, and you know, um, what you think. Well, actually, let me just ask you right now. How do you, yeah. <laughs> how do you talk to your kids? Because I know you have kids and your mom now. So how do you talk to your kids about what they see on social media and how they present themselves to the world? And, and do you draw a line there? Do you allow them to be on social media a lot? You know, what's your relationship with, with your kids in that regard? Yeah, we don't have a lot of social media in our household. Um, My son is on it the most just because he follows a lot of baseball players. Um, He's he's a baseball player, so he wants to see what's going on with the baseball players, the drafts, see all the highlights, things like that. My daughter, um, she'll be more influenced most likely um, with seeing images of girls and wanting to try to do the hairstyles and dress certain ways. And um, we, we have a very open conversations with our kids about, everything. Um, We don't want anything to be um, hidden or not uh, something like a subject matter that we don't discuss in our household. So I don't care if we think it's appropriate or not appropriate, we can discuss it because it's our home and it's a safe place to talk about absolutely anything. And I want them to feel that way. And we always talk to we we practice a lot of mindfulness and being grateful and, and stuff like that. And just really kind of focusing on the positives and the good things. Um, and social media can have a lot of that so much. So sometimes it actually <laughs> has negative effects on people, but um, it can have a lot of negative things that we see too. And just reminding them that um, to focus on themselves and who they are and being true to themselves and being kind to everybody that we come across. And, you know, kindness is so important in our household and trying to pass that on to our, our kiddos. And just, you know, my, (laughs) I write lists for my kids to do like every day, like little chore lists and things that they have to do, keep them busy. It's summertime. So we're trying to keep them not sitting on the couch like little potatoes. Um, And like one of the things on their list today was write three things about yourself, three positive things about yourself. So we really try to like always encourage that positivity and to spread it to the people around them. Um, Whether it's being a really good teammate, a good friend in the classroom, any of that kind of stuff, because it's contagious, right? Negativity is contagious, positivity is contagious. And social media can spread it like a wildfire. You talked about practicing mindfulness and then you gave the example of um, having your kids, you know, write down positive things about themselves and just practicing positivity. Is that something that you did growing up or is that something that you picked up along the way through the adversity that you've had in your life? I wish I did it when I was younger. Um, I mean, I did, I did goal setting. So that was kind of a, a, a version of it, but really focusing on things outside of myself as an athlete, I didn't really do until later on in life. Um, and so I'm trying to pass that on to my kids, like your identity, if you're an athlete, your identity is not your sport. Like there's so much more to you than just being an athlete and, and making sure that they understand that. So um, I wish that it was something that I, that I did when I was younger, but I don't know how much it was really even around that much. Like I remember like people putting post-its of little like 
you're beautiful, you're awesome, all that kind of stuff. But I didn't really do it when I was younger. And it probably would have been very beneficial for me. I think that we're starting to talk about mental health more often. And, you know, we, we started our conversation talking a little bit about the Olympics and Simone Biles, but recently there was Naomi Osaka that pulled out of the French Open. We've just been seeing more athletes and more prominent people talk about their mental health, their mental health struggles. And then I think it has become more acceptable for people to say, hey, I'm practicing mindfulness, or these are the kinds of things that I do on a regular basis to continue to stay positive and engaged. Um, you talked about your identity when you're an athlete is not always centered around just your sport. I know that you are a motivational speaker and now you have your own business. So can you tell me how you transitioned? You know, I know your business revolves around swimming, but, but now you're a business owner and that's a new hat to wear as well. So um, how you went from being an athlete and then transitioning and doing other things. Yeah. Well, I feel like swimming, being an athlete kind of set me up for success in a certain way, because it kind of got me used to like not backing down. So once I got my sight set on opening my own business, we own have a swim school. Um, it was kind of like, well, no one's going to tell me, tell me no. There were people that told me no, by the way, but I kind of just was like, oh, well, push through, push through. Um, so it allowed me that kind of mindset where I just kind of put my nose down and just kind of went, 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 because I knew what I wanted to accomplish. And I knew that I could do it. Um, that there was going to be obstacles and I'm okay with having those obstacles because it's going to be a greater success when, when we kind of break through all of those things. It's very similar. I feel like as far as being a business owner to being an athlete is just that you have to dedicate yourself to something, you know, you have to love it, dedicate yourself, sacrifice, social life goes out the window. <laughs> I don't have a social life. So um, for athletes who are transitioning out of college or out of their sport, it's probably a good thing for them to look into because it's a nice has a nice set of challenges for them. They just have to figure out what that would be. <laughs> what is the balance between persevering, right, when we're talking about mental health and, um, and I keep bringing it back around to Simone Biles, just because that's been one of the big headlines recently. Recently. And there's a few other topics that I want to ask you about as well that have been in the headlines um, that I think you can relate to. But when we're talking about this idea that, you know, we're putting mental health first and that's become more acceptable, where do you draw the line? A lot of people, the criticism that she has gotten is, well, just persevere through it. And, you know, mental toughness is a really big element, especially for athletes competing at the highest levels in their sport. So, you know, where is the tipping point or is that individual, you know, how do we assess that? Yeah, well, I think that there is a tipping point, you know, and I don't, and I think it's completely individual. And I also think that it's hard to tell someone to, you know, push through and be mentally tough. Someone like Simone, I'm assuming, I, I, I'm just guessing, probably knows where her tipping point is. And for her to be able to speak up in, at the Olympics in that moment, she was probably way past her tipping point. Um, so there is a, you're always going to have mentally get mentally tough and push through things, but there is a point where then it's doing more harm. You're not going, I always tell my athletes too, if you're not smiling while you're working, you're not going to be successful, right? So you, you have to enjoy that process. Is it going to be hard? Absolutely but you have to have fun and enjoy it. If you're not doing that, you shouldn't do it. It is not worth your time. You're going to put so much time and effort into something 
this is your one life you have to live. You better enjoy it while you're doing it. Did you ever have a moment where you really wanted to quit? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> All the time. No, I mean, but I did. I actually did quit. I was about, it was after the 1996 Olympics. Um, let me see. I think I was about 15. I wasn't swimming very well. I was getting really down on myself. Just couldn't understand why I wasn't swimming well and didn't understand why I should continue to swim. And to me at that, in those moments too, I, I kind of really focused on winning and breaking records. And that was like, that was my whole focus of why I swam. And I forgot why I started swimming in the first place. So I actually quit. I told my coach and my dad, and I said, I'm going to quit swimming. It's not fun anymore. I don't like it. Uh, they're both, I mean, my coach is super into sports, obviously my, was my coach. My dad is super into sports. And they both were okay with it. It was almost like shocking because I expected them to like be like, no, you're not going to just deal with it. You know, you'll get through it. And they both were really supportive and caring of my decision, which I think was huge. I think if they kind of pushed me through, I would have really spiraled um, down at a much younger age and had a lot of um, difficulty in my teenage years. Um, but they just both, okay, well, you know, my coach wanted to make sure that he still maintained a relationship with me. And I wasn't just like gone out of his life forever and just still had fun. And I joke though, that like my quitting swimming only lasted for about two months because I started getting really, really bored. <laughs> and I realized all the high schoolers, all they were doing was just going home and doing like more homework. Right. So yes. I was like, oh yeah, no, nah, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, is, is it safe to say you still love swimming since now you're operating a swimming school and, and your life still revolves around swimming? Yeah. I mean, I love it. I think it's super fun. I love the sport. I love all levels of the sport. So I work with lots of kiddos, like six months to 13 years old. Um, I also work with older kids, high school and college age athletes working on stroke technique with them. So um, I, I love it all. I think it's super fun. It's still challenging. I'm around the sport, um, but on my terms of how I like to do it. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It, it's been, I've, I'm, I'm having fun. <laughs> and um, since we're having this conversation and I have you here, I want to ask you about a few other headlines that I think you can um, answer some questions for folks. And that is um, right now it's summer. It's we've had really hot days, which has been, you know, for a Southern California girl, I'm loving it. But um, <laughs> we've talked a lot about water safety. And I know that's part of the reason that you opened your school and that you think it's important for all kids to learn how to swim. Um, do you have any advice for parents that are listening and they're either hesitant about getting their kids into swimming or they have their kids learning right now, just how important water safety is because we've seen a lot of um, mishaps this summer. Absolutely. Unfortunately, yes, we have seen a lot of mishaps. Drowning rates have risen over the last year. I work with an organization called Hope Floats and we offer scholarships for all families so that nobody, even if price is an issue, um, you can still get swim lessons, good quality, awesome swim lessons. So th those are some of the biggest things is cost. Um, they 
families can't afford it. So look into Hope Floats for getting a scholarship close to a swim school near you. Um, there's swim schools all across the nation that um, are associated with that uh, organization. So um, cost shouldn't be an issue. You should be able to have swim lessons. So Hope Floats. Um, another thing is a lot of people think their kiddos are too young. They're not too young. <laughs> it actually gets a lot harder as they get older. So start them young. Um, we start at six months here and the kiddos that start at six months you see never develop the fear of the pool and swimming and you see them progress so quick because they're really laying down a really solid foundation in their swimming so that that's another thing is they're, they're not too young it can be hard kids do get nervous it's okay um it's, you're doing something wonderful for your child and then oh gosh i forgot my what my other things were well start it now. Yes, that was it. Don't think about swimming as just like a summer thing, right? So think about it. It's year round. So you actually, it's kind of like a language where you regress. Um, it's not like riding a bike where you always remember how to ride a bike. You actually regress and you forget a lot of your swimming skills and the things that you learned in swimming. So the kids that you see come and take lessons for a couple months, and then they take a couple months off. It's almost like they have to restart every time they come back in. So being really consistent with your lessons is very important, especially in a place like this where we're dealing with really cold water. So now you wanna be a really efficient swimmer because as soon as you get into that water, you lose your breath and your muscles start to tighten up. So you wanna become a, like a solid little stud in the water. And frankly, we have water everywhere around us. And so, you know, it's necessary skill to have around here. I also want to ask you a little bit about how the pandemic has been for you and your family. And if you're excited for back to school, we're in back to school season. It's uh, around the corner. So I just want to ask you how you guys dealt with the pandemic. We as a family did pretty good. Um, we turned our house into like, my goodness, it was kind of like a zoo almost because <laughs> Um, we decided to like, if we're going to be stuck at home or doing a lot of things at home, we're going to make it a place that we really want to be. <laughs> so we built a half pipe in our garage oh, wow. skateboard in our half pipe. We put a quarter pipe in there. So we have a whole skate park in our garage almost. And then my son built like a mountain biking track in our yard. So we had this whole trail for mountain biking. So we got really creative and kind of, um, I learned how to skateboard during like the coat last year during COVID. And so that was, that's been on my bucket list every year, learn how to skateboard, learn <laughs> how to skateboard. I never got around to it. And I did it last year. Um, we also, we, my husband and I are big surfers. So we taught our kids how to surf last summer. So we dragged them to the warm, warm waters of Washington state out <laughs> in Westport. And we taught them how to surf out there. And so now they, they love it. So we we surf, well, my husband surfs every week out there. So I don't get the luxury to go out there nearly as much and neither do my kiddos with their sports, but we, we surf quite often. Is there anything else that you wanna add about like mindfulness, any practices that you do on a regular basis that you wanna share? And I have um, one question about too, when we are looking at these Olympic athletes and watching them compete. And it's just so special, this like great moment. And these athletes are at the top of their game. And I heard a speech that you gave many years ago talking about 
someone asks like, well, how did it feel to lose and not get the gold medal? And instead of looking at it from this lens of like, wow, it's so amazing. You're 14 years old and you have a silver medal. I mean, how many of us can say that, right? So just, you know, like what you tell yourself on a regular basis and how you stay positive. Yeah. Well, so my thing with mindfulness and meditation and all of that is don't judge yourself on it. So, and that's one big thing. I feel like people um, put pressure on themselves. Like I'm, I'm not focusing. I'm not relaxing. My mind's drifting all over. That's okay. That's the whole point of it is like, you're, you're learning all that stuff. And there's all different kinds of meditations that you can do in my whole full swim school and have my AirPods in and listen to meditation. And just, it's a good way for me to kind of absorb knowledge. And I feel like I focus and concentrate more that way. And then for the rest of what you're talking about with the athletes and coming home and how, yes, I was 14. I had, I won two silvers and a gold, which I thought was pretty darn cool. And then, yeah, going into the media room afterwards and there, this one guy was just like, how does it feel to lose? And I was like, what? <laughs> I never dawned on me that a silver was thought of as, I mean, yeah, I lost the race, but I still thought the silver was pretty darn special. Um, it, it kind of, um, it took me a while to kind of bounce back from that. Honestly, then I started really thinking that that's what everybody was thinking. I, I'm 14. So if someone says something like that to me, I just believe that's what everybody's thinking. Um, now that I look back at that, I, I'm, in those moments, I wish that I would have been able to be a little more sassy and stand up for myself, but I didn't have that kind of a backbone back then. And I'm just, you know, I see athletes, wonderful, wonderful athletes make an Olympic team and don't come home with any medals. And I hate it when they are feeling bummed out about that because man, what an honor it is to, to go to an Olympics and be there and represent our country. And yeah, it's fun to bring home medals, but you should still be so proud of yourself and um, not fixate on the hardware that we take home and um, more so just all your accomplishments and your hard work that led to that awesome moment of being able to be, to be there. And, and I think, you know, practicing and thinking about being present and in the moment helps with that a little bit more too. Um, but that that's really hard because we're always thinking, you know, forward thinking and thinking outside and, you know, not really kind of understanding where we are and what we're doing is pretty special. Is there anything you want to add um, in our conversation and anything that has been on your mind as you watch the news, as you watch coverage of the games or just what's have you know, what's happening here in Western Washington? Not really. I mean, I think you asked me lots of awesome <laughs> questions. So I thought was, this was a fun conversation and um, hopefully people enjoy it. And hopefully people, um, if they are listening and, and feeling kind of like these are some tools that they could use to help themselves and, um, just to ha to have fun with it, you know, and enjoy the process of kind of navigating your own version of your mindfulness, gratefulness, and meditation, all those different things that you can add into your life. Well, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Once again, that was Olympian Amanda Beard. You can find a link to an article on King 5 News, Amanda's Swim School, and more swimming and mental health resources on our show notes. I'm Jessica Janner Castro, and you've been listening to the Mindful Headlines podcast. My goal with each episode is to understand how our minds influence current events so we can better understand our world inside and out. Make sure to subscribe for more episodes, and please share with your friends and family. See you next time.